everyone. My name is Jamie Dirty, and thank you all for joining us this evening for the very first ever Joe Dirt debate. We will be discussing the very simply put, but very difficult to answer, is Joe Dirt funny? Today we have Will Scanlon supporting the claim that Joe Dirt is not funny, and Ryan Scanlon defending the claim that Joe Dirt is indeed a funny movie. As is tradition in debates of this level of importance, we will have two and a half minutes of opening statements and move on to questions, four of which the debaters are prepared for and two of which that will be new to them. So, uh, without further ado, we will start with opening statements and we will start with Ryan. Is Joe Dirt funny? The ultimate question, is Joe Dirt funny? And I could say with unfettered confidence, That Joe Dirt is indeed a very funny movie, but it is more than just that. I think that Joe Dirt is a comedic celebration of America. Joe Dirt is the American gospel, a journey through rural spaces often underrepresented. Through Dirt's travels across the country, he heals souls with his simple proverbs. And within this trek and the film's portrayal of the character Joe Dirt shows the best and worst of this country. Joe Dirt's mix of lowbrow humor, fantastical storytelling, throwback cinematic styling, and general goofiness puts this film above its contemporaries. I think that it offers commentary on the general audience of Happy Madison films, criticizing some stubborn American values that are inherent in those films, like sexism and comedy that punches down, while also celebrating and embracing the fun-loving style of those films. This makes Joe Dirt the penultimate Happy Madison film. Critics may want to discredit Joe Dirt because of how far it goes with its crass and often gross-out humor. But what about the chapter in Don Quixote, when Quixote and Sancho Panza vomit on each other? Or the fact that the majority of Shakespeare's plays include penis jokes? So without further ado, I'll end my opening statement with the words of Clem Dore. That's the hero. That's Joe Dirt. Alrighty, thank you for your opening statement, Ryan. We will move on to Will Scanlon with your opening statement, whenever you're ready. Thank you. When I initially wrote my draft of my opening statement, uh, I went for the jugular. I talked about how much of a failure this film was on many levels. From a structural level, it's paced like a bad TV movie, desperate to keep its audience tuned in. From a storytelling perspective, it makes no sense and essentially gives up by the end of the movie. I talked about how it was a failure for David Spade in his attempt to launch a career as a movie star, how he couldn't even get the box office of someone like Rob Schneider, how it was a failure for Denny Gordon, who was an award-winning television director who ruined her career by making this movie. How it was a homophobic and obnoxious movie that tries so hard at tugging audiences' heartstrings that it has to shoot dogs and have our protagonist attempt suicide to get its point across. But I'm not going to talk about those things. Instead, I'm just going to point out that there simply aren't very many jokes in this movie, let alone good ones. And you can't have a great or even a good comedy without any jokes. That is all I concede my, the rest of my time. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And we're going to move on to our first topic, the cinematography of Joe Dirt. This 2001 film starring David Spade, the way the film was shot and displayed was unconventional for a comedy movie at this time. 
with an anecdote-by-anecdote storytelling ending in real time. I will let Ryan Scanlon proceed with this. According to Metacritic, Joe Dirt received a 20 out of 100. Defending this movie is going to take guts and a fresh perspective. How did the camera work and the decisions all around the filmmaking process give this movie some quality that might not have been recognized initially? Well, you say that the film was shot unconventionally, uh, and I agree, and I disagree slightly. Um, For the most part, the film was shot in a typical Hollywood style. But the movie does break out of that box uh, every so often or so, um, with subtle stylings harkening back to the 1970s, uh, an era that this movie seems to uh, really glorify, and it is kind of the general backbone of this film and its style. The film often uses zoom to emphasize Joe Dirt's reactions. So let me point out the moment when Joe Dirt is flying in his tooth balloon and encounters a plane. The pilots moon him, and then we get that great 70s style telephoto zoom to Spade's face as he says, that's not professional. The film has the same love for that rock and roll era that Joe Dirt does, and it uses that style of filmmaking to emphasize the comedy in moments like this. The throwback is also present in the scene outside of Clem's house when the mob breaks in and attempts to kill him. The sequence is a simple one-shot, all done through Steadicam, and very much is trying to emulate the glory days of Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola's mob movies. Usually Joe Dirt uses this kind of throwback motif to emphasize comedic moments, but here it's emphasizing realism, building to that laugh when Joe Dirt is talking to Clem's presumably dead corpse, which then grows an enormous erection. The movie also has that gorgeous shot sequence of Brandy and Joe looking at the moon together. The film's director of photography, John R. Leonetti, deserves accolades for this film. And that's all I have to say. Excellent. And Will, uh, how did the cinematography of this film sway your argument? You have two minutes. I have seen better comedic framing on three camera sitcoms. And as to John R. Leonetti deserving any praise, I believe his direction in the film Mortal Kombat Annihilation means he should never be praised for anything he ever does for the rest of his life. As for most of the, the, the filming in general, it looks like a TV movie. It is framed in very, very easy to shoot ways and manners. It, 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 the, the cost cutting is absurd when they had plenty of a budget to make it look better than it did. You know what? I, I don't I don't even think I need to be justifying this with an argument. I concede my time. It looked like poop. It looked like poop. May I offer a, a rebuttal? All right, uh, Ryan, we uh, we offer your, uh, a minute for your response. John R. Leonetti has also filmed the gorgeous Conjuring film, which also plays back to that 70s style and, uh, and does a really good job with it. He shot Insidious and Insidious 2. Great-looking movies. I don't think you should dismiss him just for one very low-budget action flick. I yield my time. And your response, Will? There's no forgiving that movie. You can't do it. It, it, It's it's just not possible. 
and and, and he might have found his little niche in micro budgeted horror but it's not in comedy Alrighty. <clears throat> I, I will uh, I will remind the debaters that this is a uh, debate regarding the movie Joe Dirt. So let's not forget that. Um, let's move on to our next question. This is a question that the uh, debaters have no idea of what is coming. Ryan, Joe Dirt implemented several jokes involving poop and poop-related humor. Are poop jokes still funny? And if so, how did this movie pull them off well? For reference, the montage scene with the cow farting next to a firework, the asteroid noted as a quote-unquote Boeing bomb, and the sewage capsule, I got the poo on me scenes. Fecal-related humor, or de-poop jokes, are a constant through human history. For as long as recorded history can show us, we have been laughing about farts and dunks. The oldest writings in the world, the Sumerian tablets, contain a fart joke. In 1545, the creator of the Protestant church, Martin Luther, published a short comic by Lucas Cranach the Elder. The comic is called The Papal Belvedere and depicts two gentlemen farting in the Pope's face. Poop humor is funny. And David Spade does a great job of selling the realism of the poop surprise in that Arizona tour bus office scene. His childish reactions of discomfort and surprise completely break the tension of the half-baked robbery attempt. And the prop and effects teams did such a great work here on making the poop pudding come out so continuously. It really seems like the entire tank is full. This is obviously not the only fecal joke in the film. One that stands out to me is at the beginning of the movie, like you said. Um, do, do, do. Oh, wait, no, this is a different one. Joe Dirt, uh, when he's standing in front of a mirror, giving himself a self-motivational speech, that kind of heartfelt speech that often, you know, shows us as audience what the character is really after. And while David is delivering this, it is hilariously broken by a toilet being flushed right behind him. And we're, it's revealed that we're in a public restroom. And, of course, we have to talk about Joe Meteorite. While it may be predictable that it turned out to be a big hunk of dunk, once again, the reaction from Spade is what sells the bit. That space peanut is maybe one of the best lines in the movie. The poop might be more than just poop here. It could also be a small statement on pollution and America's continual dismissal of pollution's effect. Your time is up. Will, your response. Are poop jokes still funny? And if so, did Joe Dirt execute them well? Are poop jokes still funny? It depends on the joke. Is poop the punchline? It can be. It, it's also funny when it's not the punchline. I I I I think to uh, the the moment in, in Caddyshack when they discover that the the brown loaf that is floating in the pool is not poop, and Bill Murray takes a big bite. That is a funny punchline. But the punchline being poop itself, that's, that's it? That can be funny, but not when it's more than once in the same movie. A meteorite turns out to be poop. A, mi a nuclear missile turns out to be poop. That's it. 
That's not a joke. That is not a joke. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to move on to our next question. <laughs> Humor in general throughout the film. Will, upon rewatching this movie, many people will still find moments that are truly humorous and will make you laugh, chuckle, or even cackle. In your opinion, why is Joe Dirt not funny? The entire movie relies on a frustrating narrative that doesn't really have much of a place to provide stellar humor. For one thing, they can't seem to make up their mind if they want this to be a movie where you're sympathetic to the plight of Joe Dirt or actively pick on him. Then you've got sequences that just suck the funny out of the room in a forced manner, whether it's his dog getting shot or a really badly constructed suicide attempt with the hastily put together resolution. You've got a strained structure that has Joe Dirt telling his story audibly to a radio host in the greater Los Angeles area, yet they're responding as if they're actively watching it with the film audience. That would be fine if so many of the jokes weren't hinging on these visual gags like smearing ketchup on a poop meteor. On top of that, there simply aren't very many humorous sequences that don't feel forced or stretched out. As I was emphasizing a moment ago, the biggest jokes of the movie you've got, a meteorite turns out to be airplane poop, which, how does it not melt, by the way? That just broke my brain. I couldn't even think about anything else. It should melt if it's frozen. Uh, nuclear missile turns out to be poop. That, that uh, Dog testicles get frozen to the porch. Hot air tooth balloon gets mooned by an airplane pilot. Shao Kahn turns out to be from Silence of the Lambs. Uh, sleeping with someone he thinks is a sister, a cameo from the water boy. Is this all they could come up with? Come on. They could do better than that. It's, it's humor that is designed for seventh grade boys from the year 2001 and that year only. In no way do this, does this humor hold up to time alrighty um Ryan I'm gonna offer a rebuttal I'm gonna give to you that. your two minutes and then we'll I have rebuttals uh, as well so we'll we'll move into that for sure okay but Ryan this movie used jokes that could potentially be viewed as sophomoric and childish including the information extortion scene in Arizona in your opinion why is this movie funny? Well, I've already, I've already spoken on behalf of the uh, the fecal related humor. I'm not going to defend that again because I think it would just end up with the uh, me and my opponent and uh, my moderator laughing because we all find poop funny and poop jokes funny, despite his disagreement. And so, once again, I'll say. Lowbrow humor has always been a part of human history, and I don't think it should be laughed off as uh, and pushed away as something for the young, as something for the stupid. I think in general most humans want to escape every now and then and think about very little, absorb themselves in pure goofiness of a man having chocolate pudding all over his head while he says, I got the poo on me. It's funny, and you can't deny it. And listeners out there, if you have watched this movie, I really doubt that you didn't laugh 
when uh, when Joe Dirt got mooned up on that plane. Uh, I think there's a lot of great moments. All these moments you listed as bad examples, I find funny. Eating eating ketchup and fries off of a big meteorite named Joe Meteorite that's actually just a big hunk of space poop is funny. Despite it not making much sense in the real world. Well said. <clears throat> Alright, Will, your response. It's just not that funny. I mean, like, if the jokes were a mile a minute, I could handle some poop jokes here and there. But those are the only jokes. All the ones I listed were the major jokes of the movie, and that's it. If I want to turn off my brain, I'd rather turn it off to something that has more jokes so that I could laugh more times. There's a long wait period between each and every laugh, and the wait period is filled with Oh, Joe Dirt is sad. Or, oh, this is a, what is going on here? Or, how in the hell does this take place over 20 years? I, I, I say no more. All right. Ryan, your response. Um, well, I, I guess I feel like you're, uh, you're judging this more so for its, its realism, which it does not attempt to do. And for it trying to be a grounded film, which I don't believe that this is trying to do. I do believe that the jokes are a bit more constant than you think. I think overall the pace of this movie is a breakneck speed of him moving from moment to moment just in order to get to the next joke. Usually in humorous ways, which he gets from scene to scene. You haven't talked about um, Glim yet. You say you brought up the... Uh, Water boy, water boy character, but you didn't say any of his hilarious lines. I mean, I think there's a reason why they reused this character from the water boy. Him saying, boy, you ought to date the second he sees Joe Dirt made me laugh very hard. And I don't think you could deny that. Interesting point. Thank you, Ryan. I, th I thought that one line was a bit humorous. I'm, what, what was that, Aaron? Mm -hmm. No, you're good. You're fine. I'm I'm recovering. I'm going to concede that. I did find that one line a bit humorous. But the funniest part of that character in The Waterboy was the lack of being able to understand a word he was saying. Instead, in this movie, we're, we're the ones who understand everything he's saying, and it just flips it around, and it's not cool, and I didn't laugh. Except for the first line. All right, we're going to go ahead and move this debate right along into the cast and crew. <clears throat> Ryan, oftentimes casting is done poorly in comedies and can result in jokes landing flat, plot not translating well, etc. In your opinion, how well did the cast and crew of this movie add to the performance as a whole? It's difficult for me to make a case here, because the evidence of the amazing casting is self-evident in this film. Having Dennis Miller play the biting radio host was obvious, uh, but a smart choice given his history in radio and comedy. Choosing Kid Rock to be the trashy, unintelligent foil was ingenious. Fred Stoller's hilarious confusion from coming out of the mustard gas, saying, Thank God for Joe Dirt. Hilarious. 
Adam Beach added a great deadpan style of delivery to the comedic spectrum of the film in his portrayal of Kicking Wing. Rosanna Arquette brought a feminine intensity to the film with her Sam Kinison-esque snap into rage. A perfect pairing for Christopher Walken, who since this film came out has often dipped into comedic roles. This movie came out around a year after his infamous More Cowbell episode of Saturday Night Live. And before these roles, Walken did not have much history with comedy. So what better uh, role as your comedic film debut than Clem Dore, who is, of course, not from New York, Kansas. David Spade might be a subjective comic character. I know that many find him to be annoying. His typical character is conniving, sarcastic, and a straight man. But I think that is what makes Joe Dirt such an interesting character for him to play. Dirt wears his heart on his sleeve and is very rarely sarcastic. Spade embodies a radically different persona here, and it works. What you see is what you get with Joe Dirt, and that is what makes him so digestible. He just keeps on keeping on. Will, same question to you. How well or how poorly do you believe that the cast and crew did as a whole in this movie? For a cast as diverse and eclectic as the one they got, I found it a shame that the film didn't turn out funnier than it did. I'm honestly embarrassed that some of these actors have had to put this on their resume. Aside from a couple bright spots that came from certain actors or actresses' abilities to push through bad material... Even the best performances in the movie were burdened with unfunny dialogue. That said, if there was a problem with this movie, it definitely was not in the casting, which was fine. Adam Beach, even though playing uh, a, a frustratingly stereotypical character with an amusing twist or... He did a perfectly adequate performance for what he was given. Same goes for Rosanna Arquette. And Christopher Walken is able to find funny in whatever lousy material he's given. Uh, but but really, the, the, uh, the pain was in the material itself. And they should have been given much more than they were. And it, I found it a complete waste of a lot of these, uh, this cast's potential. I concede my time. No, Will, you got it all wrong. Your tone's all wrong. Uh, Ryan, I, I give you your response. Um. Well, I feel my original statement still ha- holds more water here than um, than my opponents. Uh, it's starting to seem like you didn't watch the movie or maybe didn't watch it all the way through if you didn't find um, the- these performances funny. And and I think it's more about the overall product than whatever was on the page of the screenplay. And I, I do I think Clem Dore, it goes without saying, he's hilarious. I I concede. I'm flabbergasted. Will, uh, do you have any response for him? I didn't disagree that Christopher Walken as Clem was humorous. What I did 
not like was that it was all on Christopher Walken to make it humorous. Just a character who's in the witness protection is not a funny character. He had to make it funny by pausing in weird spots like he normally does. This time a little more so. It's almost like he was pushing the pauses because he knew the lines were lousy. And instead, you've got some good lines. You know, if he would have said, uh, born and raised here. No, I mean, not here, but Kansas. That wouldn't have been funny. That's just a normal dumb line. But instead, he had to do emphasizing pauses, you know. No, not here. Kansas, born and raised. You know, that makes it funny because you, you, the timing is just bizarre and you don't expect it when he's actually going to start talking. That makes it funny. The lines itself are not funny. That's all I got to say. Uh, let's move on to the next question. This is the second question that the uh, debaters are not aware of. Will, Joe Dirt has quite a following and loving from a large group of people who grew up in the 90s who would consider this movie funny. What would you say to these people to change their minds? I'm not here to change minds. If you find something funny, you find it funny. I ask you instead... When was the last time you saw this movie? Because it's been a long time since I saw it, and everything I was thinking in my head was, it's a pretty funny movie. And then I watched it twice. It wasn't funny the first time I rewatched it. It wasn't funny the second time I rewatched it. What movie are you guys watching that I am not, apparently? There's... There are so many better, funnier movies that have come out since the year of 2001 that I would recommend wholeheartedly to stop living in the world of nostalgia for your comedy. Don't, don't get sucked into the old and the past and the, the mullets. Move on to funnier avenues of life. Get out of the Joe Dirt hole. It, it's, it's a bizarre hole filled with skull. I did not intend to rhyme right there, but I'm 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 proving that I am completely out of things to to say right now. So I'm just kind of padding out the time. No, that's totally fine. Um, I appreciate uh, your honesty. Um, it seems that maybe you left some of that time in a trash can out in the Grand Canyon Desert. Um, Ryan. Um. Same question to you. What would you say to the people that maybe who have changed their minds thinking that this is not a good movie upon further reflection? I understand if you think you grow better than, you know, toilet jokes, poop meteorite jokes, poop tank jokes. But I will say that there are people out there who have not. And who still find this amusing. And those people deserve to have Joe Dirt. And deserve to laugh at Joe Dirt without ridicule. And I think if you do look beyond it, you know, look more into it than just its jokes. I think there's more there below the surface to really dig at. I really do genuinely believe that Joe Dirt is, um, is a prophet in a lot of ways. And that Joe Dirt 
as a film, represents a lot of America. For the good and the bad. I think there's a, there's a lot of arguments to be made about the subtext of Joe Dirt and its relevance in, uh, in American film history. I, for a moment, thought you were going to say life's a garden, dig it. Um, but I, I appreciate the direction you took. Um, Will, do you have anything to say? I could see how you may find America in Joe Dirt. But why, why even spend time studying the subtext of a movie about a guy who got a, a wig sewn into his head as a kid? This, what? Or a movie that actually pays Kid Rock to exist in it. Come on. There, there are a lot of movies out there. We don't need to spend any more time on this one. That's it. This debate proudly sponsored by Kickin' Wings Fireworks Stand. No better snakes and sparklers in the middle of the desert than Kickin' Wings Fireworks Stand. So you're going to tell me that you don't have no black cats, no Roman candles or screaming memes? No. Oh, come on, man. You don't got no lady fingers, buzz buttles, snicker bombs, church burners, finger blasters, gut busters, zippity doodahs, or crap flappers? No, I don't. You're going to stand there owning a fireworks stand and tell me you don't have no whistling bungholes, no spleen splitters, whisker biscuits, honky lighters, hoosker doos, hoosker don'ts, cherry bombs, nips of dazers, with or without the scooter stick, or one single whistling kitty chaser? No. Because snakes and sparklers are the only ones I like. Well, that might be your problem. It's not what you like. It's the consumer. Here we go on the next question. As discussed in your podcast prior, movies sometimes rely on humor that was uh, acceptable in a particular time period and sometimes are not acceptable now as of 2020 as the climate has changed. Will, does Joe Dirt stand the test of time? Well, there were plenty of sequences that did not stand up and probably felt dated when they came out. Uh, like I said previously, we've got both Kid Rock and Dennis Miller being paid to be in a movie. Um, there are 80s references that were likely nostalgia bait at the time, but are now strange, bizarre forms of boomer humor. Um, and um, as mentioned earlier when I was talking about the jokes, uh, there, there are out-of-nowhere spoofs of Silence of the Lambs, which was already a nearly decade-old movie as of the release of the movie, but it played it as if it was a like a new spoof kind of parody. Uh, much of this film feels like a badly told history lesson that you know is wrong, but you can't exactly place it. So you just want to tune out. And then, then of course there's the big stuff, you know, the, the terrible Indian American representation, the, the rampant homophobia, the horrid writing of women. But I, I, I won't dwell on that stuff other than to say it's there 
and very hard to ignore. I would instead like to point out that the test of time should not be a factor here. What should be a factor is the test of age with respect to time. As I was saying earlier, it feels clearly designed for middle school boys in the year 2001. It was a film for a niche audience in one very specific year that was already dated the moment that year ended. That is all. All right. Um, Ryan, same question to you. Does Joe Dirt stand the test of time? I, I cannot deny that the homophobia present in Joe Dirt, but I can say that it is very much product of its time. If you go back to any male-centered comedy from the 2000s or earlier, you'll often see this kind of homophobic machismo. Joe Dirt would have been a more interesting and a stronger character if he was less defensive when people called him gay. But while Joe Dirt represents many of the great values of America, he also represents some of the less desirable values like this. Joe Dirt is not only a love letter to the rural American common man, but offers criticism as well. Stepping away from the homophobia and speaking on the sexism at play in some of the scenes, when Joe Dirt looks down the woman's shirt from the tooth balloon, she immediately criticizes him for it. And when Joe Dirt does the heinous act of forcing a woman to disrobe in front of him, he is immediately shit on afterwards. Literally. Also, when he is a custodian and aggressively hits on a teacher, he is immediately forced to clean up vomit and is ridiculed by children. I think that the film is showing through Dirt that America is a male-dominated country and that deserves to be shit all over. Wow! Uh, Will, your response? <laughs> okay. Um, I could kind of see that, but it's still there and it doesn't make it clear. And by the way, who is Brandy? Do we ever learn anything about that character other than she's got a drunk dad and a dog that is shot by the drunk dad? And she likes Mullet Boy for some strange reason and doesn't like Kid Rock. That's not much. That sounds like a lot of us Americans. Ryan, do you have anything else to say? Uh, free time for both of you. For fear that any sort of attempt of an argument I make will crumble as I am making it up, I will not say anything. <laughs> oh, your confidence in your uh, subject is uh, showing, certainly. Um, we will move on to our... Final question before our closing remarks, uh, which is regarding the story. Um, as a movie, the plot of Joe Dirt is certainly interesting, to say the least. Ryan, in your opinion, how did Joe Dirt's plot make this movie a winner in your eyes? Many great and many poor comedies attempt to tell an adventurous yarn. Monty Python and the Holy Grail weaves its together with comical vignettes and animated interludes. The Big Lebowski is a complex string of plot quests connected loosely through an old rug. Uh, and Joe Dirt uses bizarre and ridiculous means to sidetrack a rather simple quest for Joe to find his family. When Joe has a new means to find his family via a police artist, he gets swept into a sudden windstorm on a tooth balloon. 
When Joe gets high from insecticide, he messes up the police rendering and then hires an indigenous tracker to help him. They then find a nuclear weapon, which they then use to rob, blah, blah, blah. As you can see from just this explanation of about 15 minutes of the movie, it takes a new and ridiculous left turn every few minutes, making the film move at a breakneck speed that these kind of comedies work best at. In other sorts of film, this doesn't really work. But since we're just trying to get to the next bit, I think it works perfectly. We seldom get long scenes with Joe and the other characters because the movie's more interesting in getting to the next funny moment. Almost every scene change is via some sort of joke and leads to a humorous sequence, which in the end is a goal of a comedy to make you laugh. Alrighty. <clears throat> Will, how do you feel the story did not stack up? I thought it was a real mess. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time going into it because I find such a task very mentally exhausting. Uh, narratively, it's attempting to be a Forrest Gump-style romp into this character's life, and it comes off as a mess. We've got a, a timeline that is really really questionable and it gives up on itself halfway through when he finally gets to the the present in the story he never even clears up why he got a job in los angeles of all places they mentioned briefly that maybe his parents were in california but what was he doing to actively search for them at the moment the film just gives up and then he does he finds his parents and he does the 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 bridge scene with the jumping and then a big Wizard of Oz parody at the end. It, the story itself doesn't care about the story. So how could I say that the storytelling is well done? If it's for the purposes of comedy, I'm going to go back to maybe a few more gags would have been good. If it's for the purposes of telling a yarn, maybe tell that yarn a little better. We've got this weird framing device where he's actively telling the story, but everyone's reacting as if they're all visual gags. In fact, Dylan Dennis Miller points out that he can't stop thinking about Brandy's looks, but he's never seen Brandy. How would he know what she looks like? That makes no sense. It, it, it just brings up all these questions in your head, and you can't turn off your brain because the, the thoughts keep popping up. Like, make sense, please, will you? I concede the four seconds I have left. All right, Ryan, do you have anything else to say? I think both of you could uh, chime in whenever you'd like. Could his vision of Brandy be just like all the listeners' vision of Brandy? They get so sucked up into Joe's story as he creatively tells it, because this is a story of the American subconscious. He envisions his most gorgeous Brandy, just like all those listeners envision their most gorgeous Brandy. And that's why when we do the poll, is Brandy too hot for Joe, people are able to chime in. They all have this vision of her told through Joe's very meticulous, I guess, detailed storytelling, just like Forrest Gump. If we're led to believe Forrest Gump can tell this detailed of a story, why can't Joe? Oh, you're good. Go ahead and respond. In Forrest Gump, he was talking basically to himself at a park bench. He wasn't talking to the entire Los Angeles area. And by the way, half of those people were working. What the hell are they doing at their jobs that they could just stop and chat like a Baywatch episode listening to a radio? 
instead of saving lives at the beach or like at a I I could understand the, the the hair salon. They're not doing shit other than cutting hair. They could listen, but some of these people made no sense. What are they doing with themselves? I I think that just like the great people out there who love Joe Dirt, these people were sucked into his story and the humor of it and just the amusement of a man eating ketchup and french fries off of a big frozen And we talked hunk of about shit. the feel good nature of it. All of his catchphrases were from t-shirts he had as a kid. Did he ever actually internalize any of that or did he just like read it off his shirt and just say it out loud? Did he have any inner thoughts at all? I believe the the movie implies that he wrote books regarding these uh, sayings as well. I probably got a ghostwriter. He didn't have the time to write a whole book. I think you're just selling my argument that Joe Dirt is the embodiment of America. I'll concede to that. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Uh, Everyone is, wanted to be on Carson Daly. It is the uh, end of uh, our uh, questioning. Uh, I'll leave it open to closing remarks. Um, Will, how would you like to end out your uh, time discussing Joe Dirt? It was, I, I did not write out my closing remarks because I wanted to base it on the conversation itself. And so freewheeling, I'm just going to say that I came into Joe Dirt expecting that I was going to have my work cut out for me to explain why this movie is garbage. After watching this movie, I realized I had, I, it was not difficult in the slightest and I instead dreaded when I was going to have to watch it again to take more detailed notes. I find this to be a movie that does not age well. Probably wasn't that good if I was older than 18 had I seen it in 2001. At that age, I probably wouldn't have liked it. But I go back to if you did find it, amusing and you still do and you go back and you watch it all the time there's no convincing you i mean you you like what you like and so i i got i got nothing left to say if you like it good for you if you don't i agree with you okay ryan uh closing remarks i have stated my case on joe dirt and its relevance as a comedy and as an artistic statement i believe that between its unconditional love for the 70s era of rock and roll and its varied and constant, hard-hitting comedy, and its potential commentary. The Gospel of Joe deserves to be preached, analyzed, and laughed at for many years to come. Because it's more than just a story about a bizarre boy who had a wig fused to his head at birth. It's more than just a tale of a healer with a gross affection for chewing tobacco. It's more than just a comedy about a poop meteorite and a man. Joe Dirt is the American comedy, with all of its flaws present, viewable, and proudly presented. Joe Dirt is by the people and for the people. Well said. Thank you. Thank you all uh, for joining this debate. Um, again, my name is Jamie Dirty, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, I believe we've come to some great conclusions. I was going to leave this, uh, the rest of this time open for uh, questions I had for the debaters. Uh, regarding this debate.
Hey there, Gag Reel listeners. This is Ryan from the future calling in. Uh, I couldn't really fit this at the end of the episode. Uh, just some housekeeping to let you guys know that our next episode is going to be on the Martin Scorsese 1985 black comedy After Hours. So if you haven't watched it, go uh, give it a viewing. Uh, I think it's on HBO Max right now. And I'm sure you can rent it from other streaming services. Give it a watch. Um, This is going to be my first time viewing it. I don't really know anything about it. It might be a little bit more highbrow than our typical movies. So uh, so put on your monocles and come back and let's have a fun time talking about that flick two weeks from now. The rest of this episode is just going to be kind of a casual conversation between um, Jamie Dirty and myself and Will about Joe Dirt in a bit more of a casual context. Um, So enjoy, and have a good one. This spring, America will finally have someone to look up to. Who do you love? What's the story here? I'm a white trash idiot. What? I'm a rocker through and through. Here's my favorite bands, ACDC, Van Halen, not Van Hagar, Skinner. His name is Joe Dirt. Oh, Dirt, did I get you? No, I'm cool. No, you're not. He gets no respect. Don't forget to wipe your dirt. (laughs) Boy's got something to say to me. Why don't you talk into the microphone? I got a backup mic right here. Check one, two, testing, testing. His job isn't glamorous. You know what? I don't mind being hit with a few hot dogs. It's all... Oh, enough with the hot dogs! I guess I'm lucky it wasn't hot chili day today. <laughs> and even as a child, his family ditched him. Ryan, I'm, I'm curious. Um, during this time, you mentioned phrases like Gospel of Joe Dirt and mentioned movies kind of like, kind of exemplifying their... Uh, their storytelling. Do you believe that Joe Dirt had a Christ-like metaphor uh, throughout the entirety of the movie? I think so. I think so. He 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 dies and he is re-risen. He has many great followers that come from different parts uh, of the land that he walks and comes from. And <laughs> it is right. Joe Dirt is a Christ-like figure for the uh, for the American and, uh, people. And to that. To that point, I, I think uh, when the radio jockey specifically mentions, like he calls it, I, I want to continue to talk about the saga of Joe Dirt. He, he like when I think of saga, I think of like the Volsunkas or like the great like old English sagas, and like those truly had a normal man doing crazy things and then coming back victorious. And I think Joe Dirt really exemplified that. Uh, Maybe more so than like a necessarily a Christ-like uh, comparison, but it was very, uh, very interesting uh, point of view that you brought up. Um, and Will, uh, you mentioned several of the like the tinging moments of the comedy where like the humor didn't land, and by today's standards, does not add up, uh, and probably didn't, you know get delivered in a, in a, in a palatable way. Uh, was there any moment like in particular that you mentioned? Cause I know you kind of brushed over them broadly. Like a particular moment. 
yeah, like, do you have, like, particular instances that you felt landed, like, more harshly? Um, uh, I was thrown thrown off by this movie immediately by the, the way it was the an opening scene was framed. And that was kind of the impetus where I just started noticing that this movie was off. See, we've got a scene where it opens up and it shows us his car. Okay, we've got a, a character in a shitty car. Ha ha, that character's kind of, what, 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 why is he driving this? And then we see that the character is driving shirtless and has a mullet. Ha ha, that's funny. Okay, what is with this guy? I'm making fun of him. Then he pulls up to the security guard and the security guard starts actively picking on him, but in a way that I can't like agree with. I'm just like, okay, I don't like the security guard. And then suddenly you're, you're trying to figure out, wait, do I want to pick on Joe dirt or do I want to do want to laugh at, or do I want to, you know, like pick, like not like feel for Joe dirt. It didn't make sense in terms of framing and it threw me off entirely because there's no focal point. You're focusing on the jokes, then you're making fun of Joe Dirt. If you're focusing on the plight, then you then you don't want to laugh at any of the the visual storytelling that is obviously meant to be a joke. And that just kind of kept up throughout the movie. I think that's fair. Yeah, it it, it had elements where you're not sure if you're for or against Joe. And well, drop in the debate sure. character here. I did kind of think that that's why it works in some ways. Like, uh, I'm not going to full-on say, you know, I was exaggerating through this whole debate, but I might have been. And uh, maybe I don't really love Joder this much. But I will say, I do think his character kind of works in that you are rooting for him overall, but you want to make fun of him through the whole thing because, like, just look at what, the guy. One thing that really bugged me, just you like a, on, on, a, on a complete aside, one thing that really bugged me throughout the movie is he was like, he should have been liked by other like redneck hillbilly types, I feel. I feel like in, in the in the South, they would have been always, like. They always dressed him much differently yeah. than them. And he was obviously like this weird relic in a lot of ways. Okay. He's just very bizarre. It's very out of time. I don't think he ever would have had a time. It's a weird character that they made. And, and, okay. and even even on that note, I've, like he was supposed to appeal to those kind of characters, but those characters were often the bad guys. The uh, Brandy's yeah, dad, yeah. like who killed Charlie. Which rest in peace. <laughs> I feel like Charlie was just glazed over today. Uh, but I, I I think that was I a kept very trying important to bring moment. it up, but I don't think it was just yeah. There was something I wish I would have had room to talk about in the cinematography thing that there's that scene right in that whole like kind of gross, dumb, incestuous humor thing yeah. with the sister when he's like he's in the mirror debating was himself like a golem type on whether thing. he should have sex with her. Yes, this was before Lord of the Rings came out. And this is the exact same panning from the two towers. Yeah. And I do wonder. Did uh you know did Peter Jackson <laughs> see Joe Dirt and get some ideas? Uh, I really think Who was that this Peter is Peter Jackson <laughs> cinematographer. Uh, I forget. It's definitely they, a different maybe guy. He knows John R. Leonetti. Maybe they're buddies. Do you think they like the collaborated? Third. Just like hey, just by the way, this worked. 
I think Peter Jackson was like scratching his ass one day and he's like, God damn it, how am I going to frame this stupid Andy Circus column thing? And then he, he pops in, you know, the ne- the new Happy Madison joint and Eureka. Uh, you hear you, you heard it here first, folks. When Peter Jackson thinks, he scratches his ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have a ritual. Uh, but <laughs> honestly, that is one of the funniest things I did not think about at all when rewatching the movie is the way they film that scene. Of like, it's like good she's your sister, dude, and then you would go, and then you were just like, it was seamless. He was talking to someone else, like the whole time. I obviously exaggerated here when I talked about the cinematography, but there is some really cool, playful use of the camera in this movie. I really like the telephoto yeah. zooms on him. Like so many of those jokes would not land. Like him saying that's not professional would not have landed if it didn't have that funny zoom. Yeah. Or like right after the mustard gas, and he's like, that's Joe Dirt! That's yeah, Joe that Dirt! It does like this zoom out on Joe Dirt, like talking I, I, about I, it. I did, after that scene, I didn't end up pausing it and pulling up YouTube for uh, Fred Staller's stand-up. Uh, just kind of seeing some more of that guy. He was in Scrubs a lot yeah. as just like, you know, two-line yeah. characters, and he's always I thought hilarious. he like kind of played like a... It, it wasn't a hypochondriac, but he was just like always showing up yeah. and like looking for like counsel between the doctors. Yeah, he, he's in the game. Mm-hmm. And I, it felt like he played the same character. That's, that's pretty much him and everything. Also, like I kind of wish I would have been debating against Joe Dirt because I really would have slammed the Buffalo Bob thing. Yes. None of the rest of this movie is spoof, but then it has this whole sequence that's I, I, a spoof yeah, I, 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 of one I specific to, movie. I, I don't understand it. I wanted to go off on that for a while, it. but I just couldn't squeeze it in anywhere. I, I will say, I, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't watch Silence of the Lambs before I saw Joe Dirt. I hadn't right? either. I was like 11 when it came out. I think yeah. I think when we were first watching it, like when rented it from the store, I think, yeah, our parents said something like, oh, that's a Silence of the Lambs thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure. Let's be honest, boys. We were renting from the same blockbuster at that age. All right. Bet your bottom dollar. True. Well, I went to Hastings more. We first. went back and forth at that age, though. Uh, I thought I, I like I really did like when I was watching that movie as a when I was younger I was like wow I don't know where the hell this is coming from but it's it's kind of funky and gross and then I saw it as an adult I've rewatched it twice before this and I saw the Silence of the Lambs gimmick and I was just like why like I had to look up on IMDb when that movie came out and I was just like it wasn't so far distant to make it like a funny like retelling and it wasn't recent enough, like you said, to make it like a relevant spoof. Yeah. It's just so bizarre that they did a spoof scene in this yeah. movie when there's no other spoof yeah. scene. Maybe a Wizard of Oz nod at the very end where he kind said, of, oh, I had yeah. a dream and you were there and you were there. And hey, Clem. What's yeah. different, though? Like, it's kind of like a like a, a Family Guy episode where it's like they have this old plot and then they have one recall goof just to fit in a joke. Mm. And I felt like that was the the spoof for the Silence of the Lambs. Didn't think it really landed super well. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean. Also, I'm gonna, I was going to edit this in, but I'll just talk about it right here since we're doing this, like, you know, post-chat here. I do want to emphasize how gross it was that he, you know, when he had the power of what he thought was a weapon, that, you know, he made the woman take right. off her yeah. clothes. I feel like nowadays, that not that just sexual assault? It's very... Uh, heinous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, 
but I, did I was like really the way impressed that... at how you were able to weave that into uh, defense. Yeah, by making no, him being covered in poop right afterwards. Like that was you, actually really clever. I was I was like, how are you going to spin this? And then the way you said that like in multiple occasions after he's like sexualized somebody like in either speech or action, he was immediately and inf- literally shat on. Like it, like you did a really good job. He got to poo on him. I I think I think the idea that like if they were to really go for that, like a, a character that is like kind of inconveniently and like oddly kind of like sexual like gets like immediate karma for it it could have landed but i don't but they mm. weren't doing that and you can kind of tell because it was 2001 it obvious in a few scenes it was but yeah no, they still yeah. had the, it wasn't like they sat down and made yeah, that yeah, decision. they still had the slow-mo brandy sequence and he didn't get pooped on in that yeah and brandy yeah. again like I, I just don't think she had any depth like there was no you're very right that's why i didn't say anything (laughs) there's that i mean she's a nice character and she's not like the worst example but uh and she does have like she helps him find you know the parents she she has her own little quest thing but yeah she's kind of pointless i don't know what she she does other than ride a horse she can magically show up in california right when he's about to commit suicide that's a that's a character. I did trait. find her. I did love her comic timing when she pulls out the garden shears when she's like, "How should we fix?" We the never balls? talked about the balls, and I think we did ourselves a mischief. I thought it was funny timing wise, but like as a character defining moment, it just kind of really emphasized her intelligence level. It's just like anybody would see that you would use this bachelor thing, and that just kind of frustrated me. Yeah. I, and I'll agree yeah. with you there, but I'm not going to lie. Recalling the scene in my head, it did make me laugh quite a bit. <laughs> it's funny. The way he reacts, too. He's just like, oh, no. Ow, I think that was what? entirely why they, just, they did the, the forks. You know, just so David, David Spade, Spade could have like, a little. sells so many of these moments. And I will say this. I pointed out that the box office return in the in the opening statement, I, that the box office return couldn't even get as good as a Rob Schneider movie. But I will say this is about 10 times better than any Rob Schneider movie. That's fair. Um, I, yeah. I think the, honestly, like if I was talking about maybe the cinematography and the, the work done on set, I would have mentioned the gum like elasticity of those balls on the frozen porch. Um, well done. Yes. Yes. I talked about the poop prop, but I didn't get to talk about the, you know, the, the gum yeah, ball the prop. G- <laughs> yeah. Those are not dog <laughs> balls. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry while i was watching it the second time i actually tried actively keeping track of the years going by in the movie yeah i, was, I don't know why the, I did the that. time span is really unclear well and it's very nebulous well he was separated when he was eight years old and then he leaves juvenile detention at 11 which would have put it in 1982 19 years out from the movie and then he lives on his own for a few years. And so I was guessing he was about 16 or 17 when the poop meteorite shows up in 1987, 88. Okay. Then uh, then Charlie meets Brandy, he says, one winter, as if it's been like several years. And so I put it at a couple of years, 18, 19 years old, 89 to 91, which immediately throws things off. It's like, wait, it's been a decade since he first met Brandy? This is this is getting weird. Like, how? wow is it when they meet back up, they don't like, get excited about catching up like it's been a long time but um anyways 
then he spends a couple of years with Brandy, he says. And so about 92, 2021, when Charlie dies. And then he goes off to find his parents. Molar World, the Hemi Ride, and the Balloon all take place in 93. Then the oil rig, the bug tent. The bug tent. I forgot to... I, well, I couldn't have mentioned it in the debate, but I actually thought his delivery of the crazy was actually pretty funny. It was, it was good. It was half lips. a second. It's a funny idea. But I thought he did his delivery where he's like, I got that poppy corn out of that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> he but, he um, also, that, that was also out of absolute nowhere. Yeah. Like, just like, hey, we, we've got this idea. David Spade, you sit in a sink, here's some lipstick and a popcorn machine. <laughs> Have a good time. We're going to yeah. film you. I thought it was funny. Yeah. And then the and I really love the illustrations afterwards yes. of his parents. Yeah. And then, uh, then he, he got with the Indian tracker kicking wing, and then uh, the poop tank, and then hitchhiking uh, with the Grand Canyon tour list led to the carnival. And he says at the carnival that it had been two years since Molar World, so we put it in 1995. Then we got Buffalo Bob, oh, Louisiana, perfect. and then Silvertown, and then California again. All that was six years undocumented. Okay. And so, yeah, I, that was... Yeah, maybe it was a boring six years. I guess so. Know? He might have been working as a janitor for a while. I don't know. But also to kind of add to that, I, I think as a strike against the cinematography and the set work, he was only depicted as two ages. Like, visibly speaking... Yeah. That's just how that goes in these cheap comedies. It's like I, I'm I'm depicting you as almost, one actor. I, I almost think that was intended at the start as like a joke, but yeah, but it, but it was hard to piece together. I don't know how intentional it was, but I was laughing yeah. at like the 14 year olds bullying him. Yes, bullying like a grown 35 year old yes. David Spade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I I mean other movies have like jumped on that concept. Like you know you've got walk hard where John C. Riley is playing a 14 year old Dewey Cox and, you know, and that's intentional and they make it a point to p- keep pointing out where I'm 14 years old. You know, it, this, this could have done that, but did not. Yeah. And David Spade has that like childlike kind of face. And I don't think they like did anything to like make that differentiation. Like, like, like you yeah. said, it was, un- it was unintelligible. Um, has David Spade done anything successful ever since? Well, his next follow-up to Joe Dirt was the mm-hmm. comedy Dickie Roberts' former child star, which bombed even worse than Joe Dirt, and he has not starred in a film since. No, uh, no, I think he's done a Netflix thing through, like, Sandler. He starred in, what was it, that do-over? There was one of the Happy Madison Netflix things. Oh, yes, the do-over. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, that's I've right. never yeah. seen it. I mean, but can you blame me? He pretty much settled into a career of yeah, Happy Madison movies with uh, an occasional. He, he played a uh, supporting role in uh, the Judd Apatow produced series Love, and I thought he did a pretty good job in that. Yeah, I I, I mean this was something I mentioned with you uh, previous to this debate was that he seemed more of like a like a catalyst to a lot of comedic roles, uh, like with you know. Black Sheep and Tommy Boy, even though Black Sheep wasn't necessarily a, a success, but like he was a really good support. And uh, I think Ryan, you mentioned it. Yeah, I said so he's like typically the sarcastic straight man. Like, the straight man, yeah. That's why I know. I know a lot of people don't really like him because of that typical um, caricature, I guess, of him being like the kind of snobby asshole. Yeah. 
I think he, he usually has really good comic timing for the most part, though. He's not awful. And so I do I do actually think he works as Joe Dirt, despite all the flaws of this movie and overall it not being the greatest. I thought overall he, he worked as the character. Uh, there were times where you could tell he was really trying hard to get emotional and not doing a great job, but that was more so acting skills rather than character skills. As Joe Dirt, I thought he did fine. What was, oh, speaking of cinematography framing, what was with that super slow-mo shot of him throwing that clown? I, I thought that was way over heavy-handed. Yeah, it was a little awkward. They're trying to bring some, like, plot gravitas. It's like I'm throwing away what I've been looking for the most. It was just like this. Yeah. Also, I don't feel like that scene landed. No. Like apparently, um, yeah. Gary Busey and Roseanne Barr were initially cast and uh, as oh. his parents, but Roseanne Barr like disappeared after the first day of filming, and they couldn't find her or get in contact with her, so they just gave up and called in Fred Ward and Carolyn. Um, is it Carolyn Allen? I can't remember her last name. But uh, called them up and uh, just uh, said, can, can you guys do this? And then I guess they just shot a quick scene of them as Joe Dirt's parents. Yeah, I feel like that that like tipping point that they were like kind of getting towards of like him meeting his parents could have been done with like a lot of emotional like gravitas, but they didn't lean into it or and I don't think they gave it the time. It was yeah. rushed. It was like, I feel like it's just, less than a few It's minutes. hard when like, you know, you've been sitting with this movie for an hour and 15 minutes and it never really takes itself seriously. And suddenly it's trying yeah. to. Right. And I think that that, that well, was kind of what I meant. I didn't really emphasize it when I was talking about the storytelling portion of my argument. That was kind of what I was trying to uh, mention when I said like the story just kind of falls apart by the last act where it's just it, it kind of tries to become a story and then gives up mm-hmm. say oh yeah no he hurts his head and then he wakes up and then everything's better and let's throw fireworks and yeah the good stuff yeah i, I think Husker do's and Husker i think don'ts. it can be done well that is a great monologue i love him just listing off all the fireworks uh, yeah I, I, so you're gonna tell me with or without <laughs> the scooter stick i i i think y'all y'all have mentioned it before and it's something that happy madison has done before was with like Big Daddy where it's like they have this um, ridiculous plot. They have a lot of like jokes that they're setting up for with this kid. And, but when this when the time comes for that like emotional like climax, it's kind of devastating. Like, I, I mean, the movie doesn't like stand up necessarily like greatly as far as like uh, in a lot of ways. But I remember watching that movie when I was younger and I, I remember like like crying. Like, I felt like that moment yeah. landed. And, that, and I, I just, oh, go ahead. Sandler just is an actual performer. Yeah, I, th- I think that's entirely lending to. I think that's the big yeah, difference. It, the, the Big Daddy, the ending makes no sense, and it's it's just as heavy-handed and forced, but Adam Sandler does a really good job at his performance. It's believable for a strange reason. Or not believable, but you're just, you're sucked in. You're like, okay, I'm a kid, and I believe this also, is. Also, I think, yeah. I'm. I gotta guess that movie had a much bigger budget it did. than this one it did. did too. Like, this was uh, what was the budget on Joe Dirt? This was fifteen million. Fifteen. Million? Let me double check. It's uh, fifteen million ish. Okay, Joe Dirt. I got the page up. Um, yeah, budget was seventeen point seven million, and it made 
31 million. So it basically just barely made a profit. By it doubled it. So and marketing yeah. usually is double the budget. So it probably just barely squeezed by enough for Sony to green light a second Joe Dirt or David Spade starring movie, which didn't. Uh, Dickie Roberts did not make up its money back. Just like this, I feel like it has its moments. I haven't seen know. it in a very long time. I remember some funny bits from it. Yeah. I remember the plot actually landing though. Like you, you res. I felt like I resonated. It's definitely with the more grounded. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's the uh, the old sitcom obnoxious weirdo gets stuck with the real world family kind of thing. But I think, I think we should put a close to this episode of Gag Reel, and uh, and we will be back in a couple of weeks for probably a more regular episode. But I I hope we can do another great debate sometime in the future. I hope so, too. This was fun. And so write in to gagreelpod at gmail.com if you have your own ideas on things that we can hyperbolically yell at each other over. Or uh, where else can they hit us up, Will? Uh, you can um, send us a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash gagreelpod. Feel free to do so there. Uh, we've got a Twitter account, at GagRealPod. And I guess I'll give you guys a heads up. It's in the works, and I'm putting it together. But very soon, we will be at GagRealPod.com. There we go. Come to our space. Get gaggy with us. Gagadoodle-doo. Um, I'm glad that you could join us, uh, Jamie Dirty. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us in this very doozy of a doozy. It's over now.